This episode deals with sensitive topics of suicide and mental health. Although there won't be graphic details, please know that the discussion will venture into areas that may not be suitable for children. Therefore, parental discretion is strongly advised. My guest today is Ed Palu. He's the oldest of three brothers, tragically his youngest two brothers, Greg, who I've been friends with from elementary school through college, and the younger brother, Andrew, both took their own lives. September is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. Ed has been kind enough and brave enough to join me to talk about his brothers, their passing, and how he is carrying on their memories. Ed, thank you for joining us. Very happy to be here. You know, you've obviously gone through this more than once, unfortunately. Yeah. Can you start with Greg first? Were there any signs of depression for either of the guys, you know, early in life that kind of stand out to you now? Yeah, not so much early in life with them. I guess we'll start with Greg. You know, after he got out of college, he was a licensed chiropractor and he decided he didn't want to practice and be in that, you know, trying to collect insurance and whatnot, medical insurance. So he moved out to California to try and be a movie star. And he actually had some little bit roles in some movies. When he was doing that, you know, I kind of started to notice that he was starting to isolate himself a bit. He would come back home and stay with my mom every couple of years. And, and uh, sometimes he wouldn't even tell us that he was coming back. So, you know, I would find out later that he had come and visited and we hadn't gotten to see him. Really? You know, that that was always a tough thing, you know, and talking to a lot of his uh, friends afterwards, like you, like yourself, he did, you know, they lost touch with him. He kind of self-isolated you know, just went down a path where I guess he couldn't see himself coming back from, unfortunately. Yeah. I remember, uh, you know, we had gotten out of college and he was in chiropractic school in Chicago mm -hmm. and all the guys from high school, you know, five or six of them all decided to go out and visit him for like three or four days. And I couldn't make the trip because I was driving cross country with my dad. We had had this thing planned. Um, we were coming back from Idaho and we were going cross country. And that always got to me. I was always bummed about that. And in general that I missed it. But then after I heard, you know, heard the news about Greg, yeah, we were happy that he went out there and tried to become that uh, chiropractor and then turn around and try to do the acting. Which, you know, it was a kooky Greg thing to do. Yes. Greg was always the kind of guy. I mean, some of the fondest memories I have of Greg are just doing crazy things. Yeah. And he was very gregarious. You know, he was uh, absolutely fun to be around. My favorite memory of him is we were in like eighth grade. He slept over my house. The cool guy sleepovers in junior high. And he slept over my house on New Year's Eve and my mother put out some treats and stuff for us and we you know popped on MTV because that was pretty much the only thing you could do as a cool guy back in eighth grade. And my mom hopped in the shower and was like, you guys be good boys. We're like, yeah, sure, whatever. And he picked up his pillow and smashed me in the head with his pillow. <laughs> <laughs> but the best, and it exploded. <laughs> and every single feather that was in that pillow came out. There had to be a million birds worth of feathers yeah. in my living room. And it was <laughs> a good four inches on the ground. And he sat there in that laugh. He had that laugh that was just amazingly infectious yep. and just laughed his head off. Mm -hmm. And I was freaking out. I'm like, so I grabbed a trash bag and I'm trying to scoop these feathers back. <laughs> and my mother came out in her towel and she was like, what the? Like freaking out. And he just laughed at her. Yeah. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Never forget that. As long as I live, just he was big into physical humor type stuff too. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. He would always kind of love you when you weren't expecting it. Oh yeah, he would give you the duper, uh, which I'm not really sure where <laughs> yeah. that came from. But you'd be walking next to him, and all of a sudden he would just kick you right in the ass for no yeah. reason. <laughs> <laughs> the hell happened? Um, how old was Greg when he passed? Um, he was 
40 seven years ago i think he was about 45 or so yeah that's crazy yeah um i remember vaughn called me mm-hmm. told me and i i was just like that's no no right if you can't believe yeah yeah and that just seems to be the standard answer when anybody you hear has done this you know i can't believe it no way not him not her right how'd your family uh react like how was your mom about it and obviously just destroyed you know my mom is still still destroyed over him unfortunately um, you know, he was staying with her, and she's the one who found him. Oh. I guess that just adds to the, uh, you know, another layer to it. Yeah. You know, she's she's always struggled over the years with that. And, you know, obviously now with, uh, with Andrew, it just kind of brings it all back around for her again. Yeah. And your mom's such a sweet woman. Yeah, she is. She's been through a lot. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, with Andrew's mental illness... He really wasn't able to work or anything, so she was fully supporting him. And oh, really? Um, because of his mental illness, he became not that great to deal with. You know, so you know that just adds a, a level of complexity on it for her. So yeah, Andrew, you go to Syracuse. He he went to Syracuse for one year. Okay, he got in a bar fight where somebody hit him with a beer bottle and ripped his face off just about. Oh my God. Yeah, I do remember that. Okay. After that, he, uh, he went to university in Miami and then he pretty much, you know, he stayed down in Miami beach after that. Wasn't he like a club promoter at one point or he was trying, yeah, he was trying to be like a, like a promoter, you know, set up party promoter, that type of thing. He was in that whole Miami scene. Yeah. One of his favorite things to do was to bring out, his photo album and show everybody all the pictures of him with the different uh, celebrities. Yeah. I, I remember seeing the picture with Puff Daddy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you pretty much name it. You know, Miami's a really happening scene for celebrities. So he really, uh, he really met, met a lot of people. So you said, you know, that he struggled with mental illness. Was that diagnosed later on? So we couldn't even get him to go see a general practitioner. He would not go see a doctor for anything. You know, if we tried, kind of like I said before, you know, he would turn things on us. Yeah. It's always very difficult when you have an adult that refuses to get help. There's very little, you know, there isn't a lot you can do, unfortunately. Yeah. Yes. You know, you had mentioned that he had isolated as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he just stopped coming home to stay in Miami and kind of did his own thing. Yeah, correct. And, you know, like I said, was really with his mental state was really unable to work and, you know, just continued to further isolate and just think that, you know, people were coming to get him and that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So he, his passing was relatively recent. It was end end of July. Yeah. End of July. Okay. Yeah. And did you get a phone call? Is anybody even in contact? I mean, how did you, you know, find out? Yeah. So that's, that's quite a story there. Um, on a Thursday night, I think it was a Thursday night, my wife Paula noticed that she had a voicemail. So she looked at, you know, on Apple, you can see the transcription of the, the message. And it was from the Miami-Dade uh, coroner's office. Oh, my God. So at that point, we're like, oh, my God. And, uh, you know, that night I started calling the coroner's office. And, you know, they run 24 hours, but there's no one there that'll talk to you at night. And then I, you know, we were trying to call the police department and, 
they gave us the name of a couple detectives, but they wouldn't tell us anything. So finally, later the next day, we finally talked to an investigator from the coroner's office who gave us a rundown of what had happened. Yeah. So that that wasn't a fun fun experience by any means. No, just the anxiety of waiting. You know something's gone wrong, but you exactly. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't a fun night. I can't believe that they. I know they have jobs to do and they do great jobs. Yeah, but it's got to be. They have to understand what the family's going through as well, too. Right. You know? Yeah. I, you know, I can't imagine what, like what you're saying, what it is for those first responders, especially in an active community like Miami. But I didn't get a call back from a, from a detective for almost a month. Oh my God. Yeah. What? Until you found out what happened or until like you had found out what happened and then further information. Yeah. So, you know, the coroner, told us some of the details from the police report, but I wanted to hear, you know, there was other things he couldn't tell me. So I, you know, obviously wanted to talk to the detectives and, and, you know, get a little bit of closure there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. God. And it took that long to get information. Oh man, I'm sorry. I'm actually flying down there next week uh, to try and see how his condo is because he had started a a small fire so i think things are a mess down there you know same kind of thing trying to get the property manager to talk to me or let me know what's going on they just no nobody responds yeah you know without obviously getting into details you said that he started a fire is was that method or no no okay no um but he just felt like setting a fire and yeah my guess is he thought he must have had a break and must have thought people were going to be coming through the door at him or something. So he started the fire and then he proceeded to to die by suicide. Gosh, I'm sorry. Yeah. You've been amazingly brave on, on social media, you know, posting stuff, Greg's anniversary and, and making sure that people are aware mm-hmm. of mental illness. And yep. how do you feel about having those two brothers go through such, such hard times? And, and yeah, you know, I, I just feel you know, awful and empty, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's something that's, you know, extremely hard to reconcile. But like you said, I, you know, I do what I can to try and get the message out that mental illness is no different than having the flu or cancer or any other kind of uh, affliction or illness. It's not something that should be uh, hidden or you know, feel like that you're ashamed to talk about. Yeah. You know, the the brain is just one part of the body that that has to be taken care of like the rest of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a shame that we still to this day have that kind of a stigma about mental illness. And, and Yes. And it's nice that, you know, as many people as possible are still trying to help and get over that. And, and that's what we're trying to do, you know, do here today. Yes. In a previous episode, we discussed about one of my other friends who had who had also taken her own life. And I went through a really deep, deep depression about four or five years after college. And she saved my life. The only reason why I never moved forward with any other plans was because I saw the impact that this had on everyone. Yeah. Um, I felt the impact of the loss and I didn't, I couldn't do that to anybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, my issues at that time were not, I didn't feel that they were as big as hurting all these other people. And I got lucky. You know, there are a lot of people out there, your brothers included, that weren't. Right. I'm guessing that your strong relationship with your wife and, you know, with, with your other friends and family probably really helped as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's all about connection and having 
having people to talk to that you can talk to openly with. Yeah. You know, people that you trust. Unfortunately, not everybody has that. Yeah. I think you made a great point about the isolation, you know, in both your brother's instances, isolation was the key for them to, you know, maybe shut that off Yeah, and not have to worry about, you know, hurting. Absolutely. You know, for folks listening out there, I think, you know, when you start to see someone isolating and you know that they are going through some rough times, that isolation is a huge, huge tell. It's a huge giveaway that something's going on. Yep. Then then comes the challenge of trying to unisolate them, you know, trying to find your way to get back into their life or get somebody back into their life. And it's, yeah, that's got to be a, a rough battle. Right. Because when someone doesn't want to be engaged, I've gone through it twice now. You know, I, I still haven't figured out how to how to yeah. get around that. I'll, you know, I always try and show unconditional love to all my family and friends and just have that door open. But unfortunately, you, you can't always go in there with a battering ram yourself. Yeah. So I just try and be available and let people know that they're loved and that I'm here to talk. We're here to talk. What was Andrew's feelings towards Greg's passing? Um, he, he didn't have a good reaction to Greg's passing. Um, yeah. he, uh, he, he turned the blame on me actually. Oh my God. I'm sorry. After that occurred, we didn't talk for, uh, for a few years. I had to, you know, for my own mental health, I had to separate a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Rightfully so. Yeah. And, you know, he, you know, unfortunately my mom really took the brunt of it as well because, you know, she kept talking to him and. You know, he would blame her as well. And not an easy thing. No, I can't imagine. Your mom, is she getting help? How's she doing? So um, when Greg had passed, my wife and I became very active in some suicide prevention movements. And like you said, you know, we've we've done walks and, you know, monthly um, tabletop discussions as uh, on the board of uh great group called the uh, Taunton Community Services Incorporated, and Amory Matulitis is like a groundbreak in the industry for suicide prevention. One of the folks I met through there, um, Stephen Palm, he lost his daughter, Casey, um, to suicide. So he and his wife started a foundation. And, you know, as part of this whole group, we commissioned an author and we've put, you know, thousands of emotional well-being books in public schools and, you know, things like that. Because that's really where you want to catch it is when when kids are young and just build those skills in them, you know, to cope and to have self-worth and to be able to talk about things. Yeah. I'll make sure I put all of those folks in the show notes too, so that people can check that out. On yeah. I forwarded an article to you on uh, Steve and I can get you some stuff on Anne-Marie as well. Please do. Thank you. So back to my mom now. So I used to bring her to those monthly tabletop meetings and she would typically feel worse after going to them, but she does have a great a counselor that she does telehealth appointments with that's a super support, you know, and just her getting help herself was a huge step. So yeah. after going through the research for these two shows, you know, I sat down and I looked at my own daughter and you can't imagine being a parent and having to watch your kid go through that and yeah, it's, uh, heartbreaking. And to your point, we've had a child that has had um, multiple suicide attempts and oh, okay, I'm sorry. it's just something that leads you know, leaves a hole in you that can never be repaired. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. It's interesting because, and I use the word interesting very loosely. It's interesting. You know, when we were younger, I think you're three years older than me. I think you were, when I was right, a freshman, right. you were like a senior. You know, back when we were kids, um, you didn't bring up suicide. Exactly. Because if you brought up suicide, yeah. people thought you were promoting it as opposed to trying to stop it. And it'd be nice to see kids learning about the impacts that this has and that there's always somebody out there to talk to them yep. much sooner um, than we learn. My daughter kind of got traumatized. <laughs> poor kid on the bus next to her threw up next to her and poor kid got super traumatized. But right. you know, she met with the guidance counselor and then there's a resource officer. And, yeah. that, and we didn't have that growing up. We had one person that was in a room and they just stuck a bandaid on you and kicked you back into the class. So, But again, on the flip side, what all the kids have that we didn't have is all this social media. It can, while social media, I like you, I find it nice that it connects me with people that I went to you know, high school with or childhood friends. But a lot of the stuff that's, that floats around on social media is really detrimental to kids and their mental health. Yeah. It, and I was looking up some statistics and you know, you'd think that over the years, science and medicine have gotten better. Uh, therapeutical access has gotten you know, more prevalent. And you'd think that that number would come down. But I think you know, a number I was looking at was like from 1996 when, when my friend Heather um, committed suicide. It, I think you know, college-age students, it was like 31,000 uh, had lost yeah. their lives. And, and then in 2022, that number went up to like 49,500. Right. That's that's a 50% jump. I mean, that's insanity, right. literally and figuratively. But um, right. 50% jump with better technology. Even though there have been gains, unfortunately, our mental health system is still just very inadequate. You know, having gone through it with various family members and stuff, it's just, yeah, it's tough. It's really tough. Um, if I could just say really quick, because I've done this before, and someone was nice enough to correct me, but um, we don't say committed suicide because they didn't commit a crime. We just say died by suicide. Okay, thank you. Yes, that absolutely makes way more sense. And you said you're, you've gone through it with one of your children. How has it changed your parenting? Obviously, having a, a child go through it changes your parenting, but you know, with Greg and Andrew, probably changes it as well. So make you more cautious or, you know, overly paranoid? It definitely makes us really paranoid. Yeah. It's like your adrenaline's always, always yeah. going because you're just worried, you know, it's a hard thing. It's got to be tough. You know, you kind of walking on eggshells, you know. Right. Did I get too mad? Did I say something I shouldn't have? And it definitely changes um, your parenting style. Yeah. Yeah. For us, our group of friends that were right there in college that had gone through it, it definitely changed us, but it made us grow up so much quicker. Mm-hmm. We, to this day, changes that I made in my life in 1996, I see those and yep. you know they come through in my parenting now. I'm sure everybody else kind of sees that. You said you've done walks. I have not done a walk, have been meaning to, um, but it's more so that I'm just chubby and lazy. <laughs> um, but I, I do intend on uh, doing some. Um, what's the atmosphere like there? So most of the people at these walks have directly lost a loved one. So they tend to be, you know, they, they tend to be pretty, pretty somber. But I would like to think at the same time, a little bit hopeful of, you know, making things better for the future and, yeah. you know, hopefully preventing it from happening to, to others. Yeah. I was thinking that there's got to be some sort of, it's overshadowed by the sadness, but, yeah, you know, some sort of enthusiasm and that you have to be, you know, hopeful for right. that we're doing the right thing. We're doing something. We're getting better. Right. Slowly but surely, we're going to try to get better at, at handling this. 
like myself, you know, I didn't go out and do one. I should have done one. It's been you know, 27 years since I lost my first friend. Um, it's for Greg seven, yeah. seven or eight years now. Yeah. Um, I always felt that I should, should do more and, and hopefully this will be the start of, you know, helping to do a little bit more. But you know what? Yeah. You, you doing this podcast is a great thing. So hopefully we can get that message out. Is there anything that you want to add about Greg or Andrew or your experience? I mean, just just in general, um, you know, mental health now has its own 911. You can dial 988 or text to 988 and get some compassionate help, you know, so that that's a huge thing. And, And there are a lot of good resources out there, you know, which, again, I can forward to you and maybe you can share. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I want to thank you again for your kindness and your bravery today and just, you know, in general in life, dealing with what you've gone through, what your family's gone through and, you know, being a leader in helping others be aware. And hopefully we can put a stop to this as much as we can. I really appreciate you being here and and I wish you all the best with with everything. Yeah. And I really appreciate um, you asking me to join you. This, This is a really cool thing that you're doing. And of course, it's really nice to catch up with you as well. You were one of the big brothers that didn't really beat us up, but you would, but occasionally poke the bear with Greg and beat Greg up in front of us just to embarrass him a little. <laughs> you know, like you said, we had we had kind of a uh, physical relationship, but not definitely not abusive. So. Which is what a big brother's supposed to do. Yeah, right. I loved him very much, and like back when we were in high school, it was just uh, just so awesome having him on the uh, us being on the tennis team together and able to do that type of stuff. And yep. yeah. Great times. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good guy, and Andrew was too. Yeah, thank you. They're missed every day. Well, thank you again, Ed. Thanks, Scott.